There is nothing wrong with your station. We are attempting to decalcify your third eye. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. And I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. And at the Third Eye High Podcast, we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I got a very uh, powerful build to do today. And a lot of our people have since uh, written the brother off. Uh, they threw the book at him. Nothing to see here. Let's stop playing his music. And we really, really didn't understand the extent of his case. And we're speaking of the R. Kelly trial, right? Now, many of us, you know, whispered it. You know, man, they, they railroaded that brother or they set that brother up. But what if you could dig deep into the information to find out that that's exactly what happened that they set the brother up and he's in jail on some bullshit charges now public opinion convicted him right because remember in this country all they got to do is put out propaganda on the idiot box on tv to to get you to sway a certain way now now you ever heard of uh not putting out or or uh, basically sequestering the jury where you you know you limit uh, what uh, public information the jury you know consumes because it can sway the way they vote right now if you had a show surviving R. Kelly and you, you got these bogus TV shows out you don't think the jury watched that TV show and all of that stuff was fictitious to assassinate the brother's character before his day in court which that is illegal in itself but we're gonna go into this story right because i don't want to just be on my soapbox i was gonna cover this story about four or five months ago i was gonna cover this story in november you know of last year and i decided to wait but as of late, you know, salute to the brother Corey Holcomb and the 5150 show. I'm going to play an excerpt because the brother actually has a call from R. Kelly. So I hope it's okay that I play this because it's in in favor of the brother R. Kelly. And I want my listeners to uh, take action, you know, and help the brother because that brother's music helped a lot of us through a lot of times. Now, regardless of his personal business and this and that, and they say, oh, he messed with underage girls and all this can any of this stuff be proven? Now, we speak of the story of Aaliyah and this and that, and he was married to Aaliyah, and, you know, and they had fraudulent uh, documents, and then the marriage was annulled, but then he had consent from the parents. It's a lot of muddy waters with that. R.I.P. to Aaliyah, right? So we're not going to get into that. What I'm going to get into is the current case, right? Because if you convict a man for something that happened in the past, remember, they did the same thing with Michael Jackson. And then all of those people since recanted their stories after Michael's dead. Now remember, a lot of those children that he allegedly abused, they was a part of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And the Make-A-Wish Foundation, these children had cancer and they had, you know, a few years to live. Well, the kids are still alive. So they outlived their cancer after they got that lawsuit money <laughs> when they sued Michael Jackson. And the same thing happened with the R. Kelly thing. Was any women actually abused? We're going to go into that because the sister that they used as a star witness, she put on the record that she didn't have sex with R. Kelly when she was 17. She had sex with him when she was 
of age. <laughs> See, we missed this part, right? But we're going to go into this full story and this full account of what's taking place because I'm going to play an excerpt from a call from R. Kelly straight from the federal prison, right? We got that exclusive courtesy of uh, Corey Holcomb's 5150 show. Salute to the brother. And I'm doing a build on this to, to give an extensive coverage on it and to, you know, shoot this topic to my listeners because I know I have some very uh, knowledgeable, intelligent listeners that if we looked at the facts, we can get out our feelings. And if this could happen to R. Kelly, it could happen to you. And it has nothing to do with, you know, this brother had money and he was taking advantage of young girls. I think the story isn't just as black as white as, as they making it seem. And I think a lot of this has to do with the brother was making his own money. And in this industry that we call the music business, you don't leave with your catalog alive. Ask Prince, mysteriously dies. The brother was perfectly healthy. And he was, he was encouraging artists to own their masters. In fact, you couldn't sample Prince's music if you didn't own your masters. You, you, you couldn't even do a feature with Prince. He, he would tell you, do you own your masters? Well, I can't work with you until you do. Remember, Prince was in that situation where he changed his name to a symbol, right? The artist formerly known as. And he wrote slave on his forehead because he understand he was a slave for the music business. This happened to uh, countless um, of our powerful entertainers of our times, right? Uh, Sam Cooke, awesome singer and songwriter. And Sam Cooke was creating his first label of the times, right? This was in the 60s. This was before, you know, we understood our power we had in music. And Sam Cooke was violently killed in a hotel, allegedly with a prostitute. And when they found his body, they said he looked like he was beat to death by five or six people. And that was all staged. To get what I'm saying? Because Sam Cooke owned this catalog. Sam Cooke was the first uh, artist of his time to fund the civil rights movement. Where do you think they got a lot of that backing from? The Martin Luther Kings and the marches and all that. That came from proceeds of music entertainers so imagine if the music entertainers of our time were revolutionary and they got behind our message and they had money to put behind our message we would be a force because the entertainers were writing music that spoke to the oppression of the people and i quote from 1969's uh nina simone she says the music she says you're not an artist if you don't reflect the times. Listen to what I said, Nina Simone. She said, you're not an artist if you don't reflect the times. Meaning, in the 60s, the artists were putting out music, talking about revolution, talking about bringing a change to the oppression that our people have, have, have endured for generations. Way long after slavery, we're still trying to get treated equal. And... In the slavery situation, you had indentured servant contracts and fraudulent contracts that locked our people into slavery generationally. In the music business, the same fraudulent contracts are locking our people into servitude generationally to where their proceeds of all their musical sales, even after the labels made millions and billions off our people, they keep your catalog. So they're going to make sure by the end of the road, your career is so muddied that you don't keep your catalog. Now, they put out this propaganda that R. Kelly's catalog ain't worth nothing and, and nobody's, remember, nobody will play his music. All of that shit is by design. 
there's something called the 35-year rule. What's the 35-year rule? Now, the labels, they own rights. They retain the rights of your masters, right? The masters are the original recordings of the songs, right? They retain the masters. But the 35-year rule says after 35 years, the label has to revert the catalog back to the artist. 35 years. But here's the kick. You have to file the paperwork by year 33. Guess what year R. Kelly's coming up on? His 33 year, which did the year he sits in the federal prison, is the year he should be filing his paperwork to get all his songs reverted back to him, his entire catalog. Now, aside from the hundreds of hits he has himself, he wrote for dozens of artists, including Michael Jackson. He wrote Michael Jackson's 13th and final number one hit. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. But I want to play an excerpt from R. Kelly, and then we'll go into his actual case. We'll go into what he was really charged with, because everybody keeps thinking he was charged with sleeping with underage girls, and all these girls were victims. And again, they put out a TV show during the trial that the jury was watching. You don't think that influenced the way they were voting? That was all on purpose. But let's play an excerpt from R. Kelly and then we'll break down his uh, alleged charges, what he was uh, convicted with, because the charge that he was convicted with, you see a lot of rappers getting the same fucking charge. They use this charge against the mob. Now it's used against black artists because they are amassing wealth. And if they amass the wealth, these artists might want to do what Sam Cooke was trying to do, might want to fund some real movements, not no fake ass Black Lives Matter shit, because all of that is, is all cap. Black Lives Matter got $60 million in donations, ran off with the money, didn't help anyone in our community. Not one law is put on the books to stop the, the killing of our people by police officers. None of, none of this shit has changed. And in fact, the Signature Bank that recently collapsed, they donated $75 million to Black Lives Matter. Has, has a penny gone to our community? for any fucking reason so who is getting this money and we know that george soros has funding behind black lives matter we know that that hashtag shit got nothing to do with our community the statement your life matters but again if we're all created equal in this country you don't have to be shouting in the streets of your own fucking country that your life matters because no other nationalities doing that but people classified as so-called negroes blacks and coloreds that are still being dealt with by way of the black codes right but let's play an excerpt from uh r kelly in federal prison courtesy of my boy uh cory holcomb 5150 show i definitely give credit where credit is due right because i don't want to rip the brother's content you know this is to share with my listeners but i'm damn sure going to give credit to where credit's due because cory did the work and he personally knows R. Kelly and reached out to the brother and the brother shared his story with us. And we're not going to forget about the situation that happened with R. Kelly because all of the entertainers are subject to the same treatment. Because remember, when they can get away with something, that'll be the new tactic they implement. In fact, you got other artists dealing with the same shit. <laughs> Young Thug and, and all that. All, what do you think? All that stuff just came out of nowhere. These kids became the biggest artists of the time. So, remember, the catalog is worth a shitload of money. The label has to position themselves to make sure that they keep the catalog. They don't give a fuck about the artists. 
He can end up dead as long as we keep the catalog because no one knows the future of music in terms of the metaverse and all that. So as we move forward in the future, it's going to be millions of ways to sell music, hologram concerts and all kind of shit. So the labels are looking at their longevity. They're looking to transfer and usurp our people's wealth to their generations like they've been doing before and after slavery. But let's hear this uh, federal prison call from uh, our R. Kelly. Thank you. 
Third eye, huh?
That's real. Amen. You, I respect you, man. Hey, my people will know this. Respect. Alright. Salute to the brother uh, Corey Holcomb in the 5150 show for uh, sharing that call from uh, R. Kelly in a federal prison. And we're going to get back to. We're going to get back to. Uh, we're gonna get back to the uh, interview, but um, it's crazy what he what he was uh, speaking of. Let's get back to it. Show podcast and um, 
I want to I want to try to put some information out there so a lot of people can know as well. You know what I'm saying? Let's go, Rob. Let's go. Let's go, Rob. Let's go. Okay, brother, it's all good. to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, press... You may begin speaking now. Brother Rob. Sorry to finish, bro. Oh, yeah. It's all good, man. Give it to me. I'm, I want you to get it out. That's your voice. No, that's your voice, man. That's that voice everybody has uh, grown to love, man. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if you remember me from at the basketball court at the Wild 63rd and different things. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I do. It's me, bro. It's me, bro. I, we, I, I hope that we find a way to make some shit happen in this thing. Yeah, we, we, we and all of them. Yeah, hell yeah. That's what's yeah, up. Oh, yeah. I got you, trust me. Yeah. I'm just in a kicking I'm in a casket right now. Buried alive, kicking, that's all. Oh, man, we, I, I, I really believe 
You're going to get up out that motherfucker soon. It's a test of your patience right now. But, brother, this information, uh, most people don't know this. So it's good you're giving it to us.
prison. The officer was well aware of the possibilities of what giving all of my federal information to a blogger could do to me and my case. Officer A knew that it could hurt my case, in which it did. This is not just some DOP employee or some security guard we're talking about, but this is a judge in the Bureau of Prisons who committed these federal crimes against me. There is a professional code of ethics that the DOP was supposed to follow, that they are trained to follow. And they took a note to you, me, and the public that they would follow that code of ethics. Because that code of ethics represents what? Integrity, honesty, law, and justice are supposed to look like. It's supposed to represent what our Constitution
And I gave you guys the number to the search warrant. You can look it up yourself. It's public knowledge. It was sealed at first. Now it's unsealed. I got 30 seconds. Hey, brother. When I tell my people about this... Salute. Salute, salute. Thanks for the brother, Corey Holcomb, and the 5150 show. Just got to say, Corey, man, you was snacking the whole fucking time this brother was talking, man. So uh, for my listeners, you know, a lot of the audio is kind of hard to hear because Corey's eating in the background, but <laughs> the brother had the munchies or whatever, but we're going to still bear with it. But I'll recap um, a lot of what R. Kelly said, and it's very telling what he's talking about. He says that there's a search warrant out there that was a search warrant done by the federal prison against one federal officer, a DOT officer who. Now, I would say this. I'm going to connect the dots. I believe this officer got paid from the, the YouTube blogger Tasha K. See, a lot of our people will support gossip. These gossip blogs on YouTube, they got millions of fucking subscribers. They pop up out of nowhere. A lot of these channels got corporate funding. And this chick, Tasha K, blows up by being a fucking professional gossiper. So in order to keep her channel hot, she ends up paying this uh, department of uh, the DOT officer, the department of detention officer, to fraudulently go into the database and still, like, you know how we listen into R. Kelly's phone call and it tells you when you call a prison that this call is being recorded? Well, she accessed those calls, the recordings of those calls. She accessed the emails. She accessed the calls between him and his lawyer. All of this shit is illegal. So she gives all this information to Tasha K. Tasha K blows up, gets millions of subscribers because everybody wants to know about the R. Kelly case. So everyone's swarming to Tasha K's YouTube page, but she fraudulently obtained this information from a federal officer in the federal prison. Now, in this search warrant, they're saying that she accessed the database a hundred and something times in a span of six months. Taking this phone call, that phone call, that phone call and siphoning this shit to through her personal Gmail account. This officer should be in prison, not R. Kelly. But here's the thing. After this happened, the search warrant was issued. None of this search warrant was spoke about during his trial. None of the jury got wind of any of that. So he was already guilty by public opinion because everybody's watching Tasha K's YouTube channel. Now, we already know that that chick ain't got no fucking integrity. In fact, remember, she lied on uh, Cardi B saying Cardi B had an STD and millions of people flooded to her channel to watch that that gossip. And what happened? Tasha K was sued by Cardi B for defamation, $4 million, which she ran to Africa acting like she can't pay it when you got money to pay it because you got money to pay off federal uh, officers in the prison to steal information so you can get your channel hot about the R. Kelly story. Why isn't she in jail? See, it's crazy that everybody supports these people that got these gossip channels, but it's like, how far do you follow the gossip? How far do you follow the story to see if it has any validity? This shit is crazy. So what he's saying is this uh, Department of Detention uh, officer, federal officer, hacks into the database. Right. And they're investigating this officer. All of this was known before his trial started. Why wasn't this stuff entered into the record? 
that's a violation of his constitutional rights, violation of due process, etc. So now this officer gives this information not only to Tasha K, the blogger, and Tasha K gives the information to the girls that R. Kelly was dating. Now, as he states, the girls, the two girls he was dating, they both were of age. So all of this, he was sleeping with underage women. All that shit was propaganda, B. They, they convicted this brother during public opinion, but he never actually got his real day in court because they would have spoke about this search warrant on the record and the jury got a chance to hear that. They would see that the brother was being set up and he was convicted already before he even had his day in court. So now she gives this uh, Tasha K, the blogger with no fucking integrity, right? She's going to get what's coming. That's that's crazy. Just like Cardi B damn near bankrupt her ass because she lied on her. Why wouldn't she lie on R. Kelly? Like, come on, man. All these gossip bloggers, they're just looking for views. So they'll say whatever about whoever because they know that people want to sip the tea. So Tasha K gives this information to the girls that R. Kelly was dating. Now, brothers, come on. We all can attest to this. Let's say you're dealing with one female, two females. And he was in like a, a, a you know, a poly type of situation. But let's say, you know, both of the girls and a lot of girls, you know, they like being the side chick. So imagine, you know, you the side chick, but you already jockeying for position that one day I'm going to be the main girl. So now Tasha K plays this information to the girl. Oh, look, he, gonna, he ain't going to leave you for the other girl. Oh, look, look, whatever he said to you, he said to the other girl. Now, brothers, you know, if you give a girl that kind of information, she's going to be furious. So this woman was scorned. Oh, I'm going to get this nigga back. Now, mind you, even after this case concluded, he wasn't he wasn't. Uh, convicted for sleeping with underage women he wasn't none of this all this shit was fraudulent so what did they really convict him of we're going to get into that in a moment but he says the girl comes to the prison and she's like oh word so you, you ain't gonna leave me for shorty and this and she's quoting his phone call conversation verbatim he said how the fuck you know what i told my lawyer and what i told the other girl that's how he knew that his information was leaked so imagine what I'm saying, family. Your federal call from a prison was given out to a third party and it was ripped off the federal prison's database. That's a crime in itself. So the girl sees him in, in prison and she's confronting him and she's cussing a nigga out like, oh, you're going to be sorry, nigga. You know what that means. She like, I'm going to make this nigga pay. In fact, she's filed, she filed a civil lawsuit to get money. Not because she was an underage girl and he harmed her. She was his girlfriend. These girls were living with him and they both were of age. See, they put out that surviving R. Kelly shit to add propaganda and fuel on the fire to sway the jury into convicting him of fraudulent trumped up charges. So after this whole thing concludes, R. Kelly never got a chance to actually have his real day in court because he was already convicted. So the judge never put this stuff into the record. The prosecutor made sure that none of this stuff was put onto the record to where, wait a minute, we got federal officers, this damn near a judge of a prison. This is how high ranking this federal officer is. So you don't think that they were in cahoots with the prosecutor who, who earned his bones by convicting the, the king of R&B or the one of the world's best songwriters. See, all of this stuff is important, right? All of this. Let's stop playing R. Kelly's music. All of that was to nullify the validity of the value of the catalog so the label can steal it and then eventually guess what they're gonna start playing his music again they come on man they not he wrote for so many artists you would have to stop playing about 50 different artists music 
that's all cap. That was all propaganda staged around the shit too. The girl he was dating, she mentioned in uh, a search warrant transcript. You can read this is all public knowledge that she never had sex with him when she was 17. She, she started messing with him when she was of age. The jury never got a chance to hear that. Because remember, everybody's watching the Surviving R. Kelly, which was a trumped up story. How do you run a TV show during a fucking trial? And and the judge and the jury are sequestered and you got a uh, for certain um, account that basically nobody's going to see this TV show when the whole fucking world was talking about it. And to add fuel to the fire, you got millions of views on Tasha Kay's fucking gossip blog on YouTube where she got this information. Everybody's sipping the tea like, oh, shit, she got the exclusive. So why isn't Tasha Kay arrested for obtaining fraudulent or obtaining information fraudulently? If the average person recorded or, or got got access to someone's phone records from a prison, from a prison database, that person would be in jail. So why isn't Tasha Kay in jail for the information that she's obtained from this uh, Department of Detention uh, federal officer? And they knew all this before his trial began. So he never got a fair trial. We're going to go into the extent of this. We're going to go into his charges because most of the people, public opinion, right? The masses are asses. They think he got arrested. Yeah, man, he was messing with the underage girls. And I've seen the sex tape and he was messing with Aaliyah and all this stuff is, is, is spewing and brewing. But what was he actually convicted of? He was never convicted of sleeping with underage women. He was never convicted of pornography. None of this bullshit they was telling you in the media. They convicted this nigga of racketeering. They gave him the RICO charge. The RICO charge? How the fuck does a, a, a entertainer get hit with a RICO charge? Are you starting to see the connection? Well, they just hit. They hit uh, Bobby Smurda and his crew with a RICO charge. Right? Remember, remember that? They hit... Uh, Young Thug and YSL with a RICO charge. Remember that? And it's, isn't it crazy that the artists that seem to get big records and they make a shitload of money to send label execs kids through fucking college with one record? These kids start, you know, looking at their contract and they trying to position themselves to be a boss, to be an owner, and then they get hit with charges. So now, this uh, RICO charge was something they created. The government created because they couldn't uh, lock up the mafia. They couldn't lock up. This was first used on John Gotti and all them. They couldn't lock up the mafia because, man, we just can't remember. They called him the Teflon Don because he was beating all they bullshit charges. And the only way they figured that they would get the mob on uh, charges of criminal activity, they would hit him with the RICO law, get him with tax evasion. See what I'm saying? Where they tie in your proceeds to criminal activity. And this is what they're doing to the rappers. So if you amass a wealthy catalog and the labels want to steal your catalog remember you're rapping about gangster music all they got to do is say you in a gang it's hard for you to get out of that because you might be hanging out with five or six of your homeboys and they consider that a gang a group of niggas is considered a gang to the u.s government so they can use this rico law on any so-called black entertainer that wants to own the rights to their motherfucking catalog remember you'll never leave this life alive with your catalog ask Whitney Houston what happened to her <laughs> ask Prince what happened to him ask Michael Jackson what happened to him ask Sam Cooke what happened to him 
the, the long list of our entertainers that left great music behind and their fam and their families will never live off the proceeds. But I'll tell you whose family will. These so-called Jews, these so-called Europeans. And this is the inception of slavery. These fraudulent, extended, indentured servitude contracts, because that's what chattel slavery became. They locked our people into fraudulent contracts and they just kept extending the contract, extending the contract, and we never got out from under it. And in fact, slavery towards our people was worse after slavery ended. Listen to what I'm saying to you. After slavery ended, our people were still fighting to have contracts honored. I work on your property. You agree to said compensation. You're going to pay me for my work. As the Bible says, a workman is worthy of his hire. But even still to this day in 2023, our people are being taken advantage of for their labor, right? That's why many uh, corporate companies, they shun private unions because the unions fight for what? Fair contracts. Remember Amazon, right? The brother that uh, it was a brother that created the first uh, union for Amazon in New York City. And that brother was since fired because they were trying to spread unions to all of the corporations of Amazon throughout the country. They can't have that. Because we want to treat people like slaves in, in sweatshop. We're not going to give them fair contract. What do you think is happening in all of these corporations? Because Nike, Amazon, all of these companies are still ran like a plantation. And they're, the way they amass large profits, they have to get cheap labor. And you, this ain't a third world country. So you're going to have people that say, hey, I should be paid more because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. But if you don't have a union rep to speak up for you to fight for these particular contracts, they'll just fire your ass and hire an undocumented worker. And all of that's tied in it, too. Where since now, since the Zoom call president been in, we got a million people illegally flooding the country that all have the right to work. They're giving them driver's license. They're trying to pass a law to Democrats to give them the right to vote. They're not even a citizen of the country, but they got the right to vote. Do you see them positioning to replace the workforce with new slaves? Big facts. Oh, we, we don't need you niggas no more because we're not, we're not paying that. They're trying to raise the minimum wage rate to $20. But if I could hire a Mexican that's undocumented here, I could give him $5. You think I'm going to hire about 10 more workers or would I just hire one or two people for $20 an hour? Yeah, all right. They're setting up to wipe out the class where there's no such thing as a middle class. It's going to be the haves and everybody else. And, and that's how this... Uh, inception of this idea of America came about. Free motherfucking labor and the elite can all be billionaires. And that's the race to be a billionaire that everybody's trying to race after. But let's get back to this R. Kelly thing because I don't want to digress. But I'm just trying to show you there's a larger conversation that has nothing to do with him personally. And in this country, you can be convicted by popular opinion by public popular, popular opinion before you even have your day in court. And that's exactly what happened to the brother R. Kelly. My prayers go out to the brother, you know, because as I said, it's not a, a, a matter of, oh, well, he's an entertainer. He was just taking advantage of his celebrity and taking advantage of these young women. These women were of age and they were his girlfriends living with him for several years, several years. So how is it that this TV show comes out and then, it, oh, he's, he's locking women in the closet and all this all of these accusations had to be put onto the record in order to make the charges stick. We're going to go into exactly what the fuck he was convicted of. They convicted him of the RICO charge like he's in the mob. 
why did they convict him with the RICO charge? They also convicted him with, of something called the Man Act. What the fuck is the Man Act? We're going to go into this because this is key. And the very first time they used the Man Act was on a so-called black prominent celebrity as well. See, they don't want us to be responsible handlers of power. See, once we amass this a large amount of wealth and we start to decide to say, I want to help all my people. They can't have that. So they're going to separate the entertainer from his money. Always the play. They're going to separate you from your wealth. And they'll leave you poor and you go from famous to infamous. And it never fails. What they say? Prince was a drug addict. They said Mark, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, excuse me, they said uh, Michael Jackson was a drug addict. They say Whitney Houston, drug addict. <laughs> Did you see the connection that all of these prominent entertainers, powerful entertainers, people that were geniuses in the music world, timeless music they put out, but the labels still sell their music, but they say the people are crazy. See, they tarnish your image and then they steal your fucking legacy. When we get back on part two, we're going to go in. This is the Third Eye High podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way, to help you find your light switch, and keep your light lit. And at Third Eye High, we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. See, as a people, we have to get out of looking at conversation on a surface level. We got to dive deep into the why. Why did this happen now to the brother during this pandemic scamdemic when we return Third Eye High? Welcome back. Welcome back, guys. The Third Eye High podcast. This is part two. The case of R. Kelly. The frame up of R. Kelly. The buried alive of R. Kelly. We're going to get into the actual charges, right? See, in part one, we heard from the horse's mouth, right? We're not gossiping. We're not speculating. We heard from the horse's mouth. R. Kelly himself spoke on a federal uh, jail call. He spoke to the brother, Corey Holcomb, of the 5150 show. Salute to the brother. Got to give credit where credit is due. And he speaks of uh, a DOT officer, which is equivalent to a judge in a federal prison, fraudulently, uh, illegally hacked into the uh, Department of the Prison's database, federal database, and copied recordings of R. Kelly calls from his uh, lawyer, calls from two of the parties that would later be the star witnesses for the prosecutor right and they mentioned that you know this information was paid right because I, I'm gonna say it paid because that's the only way it was given this person didn't risk their job and their career to steal this information from a federal database to give it to Tasha K a fucking YouTube blogger for free I would say Tasha K paid for this information because she since amassed damn near millions of subscribers because she had the exclusive R. Kelly information. And everyone flocked to her YouTube page. Now, Tasha K, if anybody doesn't know who she is, she was sued for $4 million. And the, the, the person suing her won, right? She put out a, a story on her a blog on YouTube that said Cardi B had an STD. And Cardi B sued her in the court for defamation. And Cardi B won her case. $4 million was awarded her. She since has... Wait, still waiting to get paid because Tasha K probably going to be bankrupt after you know paying that 
but she got it because she had the money to pay a damn federal officer to steal the information from R. Kelly's case so she could use it on her YouTube page. So she got it. But they end up, Tasha K ends up playing this information for R. Kelly's girlfriends. And anybody knows when a woman scorned, oh, word, he's saying the same shit to me that he said to the other girl. So they turn star witness for the prosecutor. But one of the girls in the case that, you know, they all built around R. Kelly, the girl said she never had sex with him when she was underage. She was of age. Both of these girls were, were of age. In fact, they were living with R. Kelly for years. See, the propaganda of this surviving R. Kelly bullshit, that story swayed the jury to vote on trumped up charges. And they never heard the search warrant of this federal officer that accessed the database to steal this information to leak it to the public. That was never put onto the record. So this brother was convicted even before he had his day in court. So what exactly was R. Kelly convicted of? We have to go into this because a lot of people never actually read this. And I said that he was charged with the RICO Act. The RICO, like he was selling drugs. How the fuck does he get charged with a RICO charge? See, nobody paid attention to like, well, wait a minute, where did that come from? So then he's also charged with something called the Man Act. What the fuck is the Man Act? Now, the Mann Act is a very important case because the Mann Act was first used on one of our greatest, excuse me, the world's uh, best boxer of the time, right? The first uh, so-called black, and I would say melanated, indigenous person, right? The first uh, so-called black heavyweight champion in this country Jack Johnson, he was charged with the Man Act. We're gonna find out what the fuck is the Man Act and where did it come from? Why is it called the Man Act? Okay, the Man Act. One of the landmark of the progressive era legislation was the White Slave Traffic Act. Wait a minute. So the Man Act was originally called the White Slave Traffic Act. Hmm, what the fuck are we talking about? White slaves? Hey, go back on my podcast, Third Eye High Podcast, available on all podcast streaming platforms. And we speak of these white slaves in America. Because remember, during this institution of slavery, there were slaves of all color. They was talking about free labor, right? So they're damn sure it was white slaves. But in fact, they had a law in the early 1700s that banned so-called black owners, because they were so-called black slave owners too, they banned slave owners from buying white slaves. But the Mann Act, the Mann Act, right? This is before it was called the Mann Act. One of the landmarks of progressive era legislation was the White Slave Traffic Act, better known as the Mann Act, for its author, Illinois Congressman James Robert Mann. So it was named after Illinois Congressman James Robert Mann. But before it was called the Mann Act, it was the White Slave Traffic Act. Wait a minute, R. Kelly was dating two melanated sisters that were of age that were his girlfriends. How the fuck does he get charged with the Man Act? How the fuck does he get charged with the White Slave Traffic Act? Let's continue. The Man Act made it a crime to transport women across state lines for the purpose of prostitution or debauchery or for any other immoral purpose. So how the fuck does he get charged with the Man Act Remember, if he was going from state to state touring and he's traveling with his girlfriends, 
How the fuck is he going state cross state lines with prostitution? Make that make sense. See, they had to make this shit look crazy. But remember, the girls are gonna turn state's witness when, oh nigga, you 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 saying you love her like you love me? Oh, okay, nigga. All right, boom, I'll make you pay for it. So not only are you gonna sit in jail, we also gonna hit you with that civil suit and tap your bank account. Make that make sense. See, remember, the situation with the OJ shit, right? OJ lost, I mean, OJ won his case. That they, they proved that he didn't kill Nicole and Ron Goldman, right? That's arguably, if anybody wants to debate that, that's whatever. But in a court of law, he was found not guilty. But then he was found guilty for a civil wrongful death suit. So the family got money. They didn't give a fuck about him being in jail. They wanted his bank account. See the connection? Same thing happened with, with R. Kelly. So now, getting back to this. While uh, designed to combat forced prostitution, these were his girlfriends. He didn't force them into anything. See, they had to have the Trump up stories. He was locking girls in the closet. Like, come on, bro. Regular niggas out here can sleep with two or three girls and you got a side piece and all that. So imagine a multi-millionaire. Why would you have to force a girl to do something where you can just find a girl that's willing to be with you in your multiple girlfriend situation? It's a lot of people out here in, in poly relationships and they ain't got R. Kelly money. You ain't got to force no girl to do nothing. In fact, you ain't forcing a woman to do nothing. A woman going to do what she want to do. So let's let's be clear about this. So now, while, de uh, while designed to combat forced prostitution, the law was so broadly worded that courts... He, uh, held it to criminalize many forms of consensual sexual activity and it was soon being used as a tool for political prosecution of Jack Johnson and others as well as a tool for blackmail see what's going on here now with Jack Johnson they convicted him of the man act he was the first so-called black heavyweight champion in the world meaning he could really kick your ass so you wasn't just running up on him hey nigger what you doing with that white girl he might punch your motherfucking lights out. So, public opinion of the times, they couldn't stand this flashy nigga that had money. He was driving the foreigns of this time. He was driving the Porsches of the day. And he was hopping out of this shit in the, in, in the, ten, in the, 20, in the 1910s, 1913. This brother had money before the Great Depression. The world's heavyweight champion. And, and back in the day, they was going 15 rounds. You heard? With them, with them heavy gloves. So... He was knocking white boys out, Jack Johnson. Watch some of his old fights. But they were so outraged publicly, this nigga's just flaunting around with his, and he just, he liked white women. But he, you know, with the models of the times and all kind of shit, and these crackers couldn't live that down. This fucking nigga with money, look at R. Kelly, this nigga with money, you don't think people were jealous of him in the industry and all this other stuff because he wrote some of the best songs in, in this country? Here nor there. So Jack Johnson is hit with this man act. And in fact, the woman he was with, he later marries her. That was his actual girlfriend. And the mom, they was shaking him down for the money. The mom said basically, yeah, he kidnapped my daughter and, and went across town with her. When she freely went with the brother and they were traveling different states that he was having boxing matches in. See what's going on here? But, but let's continue. Jack Johnson. So they, they, they're saying this when this law first came out, that they was convicting people of this law and they knew they were in consensual sexual relationships. It was because it was so-called black and white. They didn't want no niggas dating no white girls. 
And these white girls just happen to love a nigga. What's the, what's the term? You ask a woman what kind of man you want. Tall, dark, and handsome. Where the fuck you think that came from? They wanted a brother. They wanted a more. They wanted the more to sling that pipe. Let's, let's be real and call it what it is. The Man Act was born during the white slavery hysteria of the early 20th century. Along with other moral purity movements of the period, the white slavery craze had its root in fears over the rapid change that the Industrial Revolution had brought to the American society. Urbanized immigration, the changing role of women, and evolving social mores. As young women moved to the city and entered the workforce, they were no longer protected by the traditional family-centered uh, system of courtship and were subject to what Jane Adams called the grosser temptations, which now beset the young people who are living in its tenement houses and working in its factories. As progressive era social reformers, many of whom who did not distinguish between sexually active women and prostitutes. See? So if a woman just was out looking looking her best and just, you know, showing off, you know, a little bit, a little bit of skin, a little bit of leg, they'll call you a prostitute. Even if you wasn't out here selling that pussy, they still call you a prostitute. If they seen you on dates with multiple multiple men. Now today a woman could date who the fuck she wanna date. She go on five dates throughout the week if she wanted to. That's her business. But in this time, in the 1910s and 20s, they would just publicly label women as prostitutes, even if they wasn't selling that pussy. See what I'm saying? So, continuing on. Distinguished between sexual activity, women, sexually active women and prostitutes, began to call attention to what they saw as a widespread decline in morality. Foreigners emerged as an easy target, unfettered, Immigration uh, provide an endless supply of both foreign prostitutes and foreign men who lured American girls into immorality. Uh, Muck-ranking journalists fueled the hysteria, see, all propaganda in the media, with sensationalized stories of innocent girls kidnapped off the street by foreigners, drugged, smuggled across the country, and forced to work in brothels. R. Kelly ain't forced nobody in no brothel. He wasn't drugging women. None of this shit happened. But he was charged and convicted with this man act. Continues on to say, Borrowing a term from the 19th century labor movement, uh, muckraker George uh, Kibb Turner called prostitution white slavery. Because the first one selling that pussy was poor white slaves. White women that couldn't find a job. They were locked into indentured servitude contracts. Big facts. And in 1907, article in McClure's magazine claimed that a loosely organized association largely composed of Russian Jews. Russian Jews. Now, we've seen movies and you've seen stories of the Russian mob and all this, and they had women working as prostitutes and call girls and all that. Where do you think that came from? The so-called poor Jews who lived in the first ghettos in America. The women were selling sex. This has never changed, still to this day. Largely composed of Russian Jews, was the primary source of supply for Chicago brothels. Public uh, pulp fiction and movies, then a novelty, fanned the flames even more. See, once they started to promote these movies about brothels, and what do you think the Moulin Rouge movie was about? 
that shit was a whole house where the politicians of the day, the mayor, the prominent people went into the whole house to buy pussy. You could come in with your good suit and you was just coming to buy some pussy, but you was an upstanding citizen of society. Did you see the hypocritical nature of this shit? Politicians seized upon the crisis for political gain. See? Politicians, remember, they would, remember the prosecutors, they would try people of this crime and they would stand, they would look like they were upstanding moral citizens when many of them were in the brothels buying pussy too. But if they convicted a, a, a famous person and your name's tied to it as the prosecutor trying the case, well, guess what? Your whole career just catapulted, right? Now you're going to have cases on your desk if you win this case. And you have people, uh, basically politicians that wanted to run for office, all they had to do was stand on that argument. I'm outraged. We, we got to stop this selling of sex and all this. And, and they still buying pussy. But it looked morally correct in the eyes of the public. The legal evidence, politicians seized upon the crisis for political gain. Edward W. Sims, the U.S. District Attorney in Chicago, claimed to have proof of a nationwide white slavery ring. See? How do you have proof? Because that nigga was in the brothel buying pussy. Himself. The legal evidence thus far collected, established with complete moral certainty that these awful facts that the white slave uh, traffic in it is a system operated by a syndicate which has its ramifications from the Atlantic seaboard to the Pacific Ocean with clearing houses or distribution centers in nearly all of the larger cities that, the, that this ghastly traffic, the buying price of a young girl is from $15 and that the selling price is from $200 to $600. This syndicate is a definite is a, a definite organization sending its hunters regularly to scour France, Germany, Hungary, Italy, and Canada for victims. See, they, they they're mixing the waters, right? So they're talking about a system where people was kidnapping women and forcing them into this stuff. Really happens, but sex uh, trafficking and all that—that's not what R. Kelly was involved in. But they convicted him of it with no proof. They had accusations from women that were his former girlfriends. <laughs> One that was scorned because she didn't want to be the side chick. This shit crazy. Sims was never able to produce his evidence. See? Never was able to produce his evidence. But his friend James Robert Mann, chairman of the powerful House Committee on Interstate and Foreign Commerce, quickly drafted a bill to show the public that Congress was doing something about the crisis. So they never had any proof of this actual kidnapping of women and all this other shit that they was talking about. And the people that put out the law that's talking about sex trafficking behind closed doors, they're the ones really running the sex trafficking rings. This government. Big facts. Let's, let's be real. 800,000 people go missing in the United States yearly, never to be seen again. Where the fuck are these people at? Never to be seen again. Who's snatching people off the street? That's also tied to organ harvesting and all other shit. We don't want to talk about that. We just need a boogeyman. Throw R. Kelly away and then sex traffic's gonna stop. Man, get the fuck out of here. This shit's all cat. They set that brother up. Now, they never actually had any evidence that this stuff was going on in the times of the 20s. But this guy creates this man act. Now remember, they tied this prostitution thing to taxes, to money. This is why they come up with the RICO shit. Because they could say, well, you dating five or six women. They all selling pussy. Oh, my nigga, you running a criminal organization. See how they snatched up R. Kelly? When he wasn't prostituting any of these women? Like, he wasn't a pimp? These were his two girlfriends that were of age. 
that had nothing to do with the Alex, the accusations of the time before him sleeping with young girls and all this other shit. That was all painted into the story to uh, paint a particular picture of this brother and convict him publicly before he even had his day in court. So he, Congressman, he quickly drafted the bill to show that Congress was doing something about the crisis. It was also intended to bring to the United States into compliance with the 1904 International Treaty on Forced Prostitution. Look that up, the 1904 International Treaty on Forced Prostitution. But much of the wording was drawn from a section of the 1907 Immigration Act. This shit was dealing with immigrants, poor white slaves that were coming to America selling pussy. You don't say. 1907 Immigration Act, which banned the importation into the United States of any alien woman or girl for the purpose of prostitution or for any other immoral purpose. Introduced into Congress, 1909, the bill was quickly passed with little opposition and President William Howard Taft signed it into law later that same month. While intentions as a specific response to the commercialized vice, the ambiguity of the or for any or other immoral purpose clause of the Mann Act and the similarly wording 1907 Immigration Act and the fact that the Justice Department's new Bureau of Investigation was simply unable to find evidence of a widespread white slavery network led prosecutors to begin using it against other forms of sexual conduct. The Supreme Court repeatedly held that these prosecutions to be constitutional. In United States v. Biddy, 1911, the court ruled that the 1907 Immigration Act applied in the case of a man, John Biddy, who had brought his English mistress to the United States. Justice John Marshall Harlan wrote in the opinion that the words, or for any other immoral purpose, after the word prostitution must have, made, must have been made for some practical object. Those added words showed beyond question that Congress had in view the protection of society against another class of an alien woman, other than those who might be brought here merely for purpose of prostitution. Two years later, Hoke and United States Supreme Court held that the Mann Act did not unconstitutionally limit the right of free travel. And Wilson v. United States, 1914, the court declared that travel across state lines with the intention to commit an immoral act was grounds for conviction, even if the immoral act was not executed. See, they don't have to prove that you was moving state to state selling pussy. They could just say, you fucking this girl, that's an immoral act. Remember, these girls weren't underage. They could just say, you were having sex with this girl and y'all traveling. <laughs> Nigga, please, what woman, what woman wasn't, doesn't want to travel? Do you see the, the, the ambiguity of this, this law? But they were able to use this on R. Kelly and many other black entertainers. But he didn't kidnap no women. They wasn't forced into prostitution. These were girlfriends he were living with. One got scorned. They both got scorned and said, fuck it. Let that nigga rot in jail and then we could sue him and get a civil suit and help out the state. You don't think they were coerced by the state? It already shows that the fucking federal officer in the prison fraudulently accessed the database illegally, copied this nigga's phone records, his calls, his emails, gave them shits to Tasha K, the blogger. That's a criminal offense. And all of this shit was known before his trial ever started. Why wasn't that entered into the record? The Supreme Court uh, dramatically widened the scope of the Mann Act three years later in uh, Committee v. United States in March of 1913 
Drew Kamidi, the son of a prominent California politician. See, politicians just uh, bigged up this law because it, it gave them more notoriety in the public. And a friend, uh, Maury Diggs, both married and having affairs, took their mistresses. What we at? What we at? Um, Mary Diggs, both married and having affairs, took their mistresses, mistresses by train from Sacramento to Reno. They betrayed wives, tipped off the police, and both men were arrested upon their arrival in Reno. Listen to what they're just saying. These two brothers were convicted of the Man Act because they took their, mis their mistresses, their side bitches, on a train ride across the country. They was partying with their side bitch, and their wives found out, and the wives went to the police. That's not a crime to cheat on your girl. Like, bro, like, that's, that's the nature of the game. But... These two brothers were convicted of the Man Act to show you how crazy anybody can, can be convicted with this shit. If a woman is scorned, you can be convicted of this shit. This is a crazy law. So if a brother got money and he has the option to sleep with multiple women and say, I could cancel this bitch, give me another one, if she ain't acting right. I don't have to force her to do anything because you can't force a woman to do nothing. She either gonna ride with the program and most women will agree to be a side chick because Remember, they're still thinking eventually I'm going to put it on this nigga good enough where I'll be the number one. But once that girl got to listen to these illegal phone calls from the federal prison of R. Kelly sweet talking his other girl, she said, well, fuck that. I'm going to hang this nigga. Come on, brothers. You don't know a girl that feels some kind of way when they find out you ain't leaving your main girl and she going to burn your fucking house down. Right. This is what we're looking at. So these two brothers were convicted of the Man Act. Their betrayed wives tipped off the police, and both men were arrested upon the arrival in Reno. Kamidi and Diggs were tried and found guilty. On appeal, Kamidi's lawyer argued that the intent of Congress was to target only commercialized vice, and that while his client's behavior may have been immoral, right, cheating on his wife, it was free for the uh, commercial commercialism and coercion. Citing Biddy Justice, uh, William R. Day wrote for the majority of the language in the act being plain as the sole evidence of the ultimate legislative intent and that not applying the law in this case would shock the common understanding of what constitutes an immoral purpose. Such an interpretation of the law in effect criminalizes all uh, premarital and extramarital sexual relationships that involve interstate travel. Now, nine times out of ten, you gonna take your side bitch out of town, right? You ain't gonna be seen around town where your main girl might walk up on you. So you took on a little trip. That don't mean you were engaging in prostitution and you kidnapped the bitch and dragged her across state lines. See how they end up using this law only on our people. This is a dangerous law here. So now here's how they use it first on the world's heavyweight champion. And we talking about this brother was a millionaire of the time. You don't think, these poor uh, whites, they hated you being a poor nigga. They still envied you. Can you imagine them envying a nigga that was a millionaire of the time and he was so-called a Negro of the time? They were fucking furious. And he was sleeping with only white women. They were fucking furious. Oh my gosh, he had to be kidnapping this bitch. Why is she with him? When this white woman was poor, white, and she wanted to be a part of, she wanted to be a part of that fame. She wanted to ride his wave. Let's go into it. Such an interpretation of the law, right? We have, uh, here we go, here we go. With behavior that was so commonplace, now illegal. 
federal prosecutors had a weapon that could very easily be abused in order to prosecute undesirables. Undesirables are niggas with money. See what's going on? Who were otherwise law-abiding citizens. Jack Johnson's conviction in 1913 was ostensibly for transporting a white prostitute from Pittsburgh to Chicago. Now, if this poor white girl was selling her pussy before she met this nigga, and she ends up meeting this nigga and wants to become his girlfriend, he ain't forcing her to sell no pussy, he just smashing because he got the bag. But they later say he forced her into prostitution when this dirty white girl was selling her pussy before she knew this nigga. That's, we gonna be honest today, can we be honest? Let's be honest, guys, sorry. I know it's a lot of vulgar language, but like we live in vulgar times, fuck all that. Let's be real, let's make it plain. So now, Jack Johnson's conviction in 1913 was ostensibly for transporting a white prostitute from Pittsburgh to Chicago, but was motivated by public outrage over his marriages to white women. See? The white people at the time couldn't stand this rich nigga that can marry white women. How dare this nigga parade around with this white woman? He must be kidnapping her. She, he must be taking her against her will. And the movie King Kong was to mock Jack Johnson. Remember King Kong? The big ass uh, gorilla that took the, took the white woman to the top of the Empire State Building? The King Kong movie was about the first heavyweight champion, so-called black heavyweight champion, Jack Johnson. Big facts. They tear down your image in Hollywood. So now, Jack Johnson's conviction was ostensibly right for transporting a white woman, um, but was motivated by public outrage over his marriages to white women. In 1944, actor Charlie Chapman. Salute to all my comedians. Charlie Chapman was a fucking genius of his time. Charlie Chapman was acquitted of a Man Act indictment, stemming from a paternity suit. In actuality, the case was motivated by Chaplin's left-of-center political views. See, he was against the political parties at the time. So we're going to make an example of this nigga. Charlie Chapman wasn't a nigga per se, but you get what I'm saying. His political views and was personally instigated by, listen to this, Charlie Chapman was targeted by none other than FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. Oh my God, same guy that was later target the Black Panthers target Martin Luther King, record uh, phone calls of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, that guy, the leader of the FBI. Do you see the connection with all this shit? Hoover, who had called Chaplin one of Hollywood's parlor uh, Bolshevikis in 1959, black rock and roll star Chuck Berry was convicted of violating the Mann Act and served 20 months in prison. Did, did you're starting to see the connection here? Chuck Berry was, was uh, arguably the inventor of rock and roll, right? Chuck Berry, who a lot of his swag was stolen by Elvis. Elvis stole a lot of Chuck Berry's moves. His whole fucking swag. Big facts. So now, don't they call Elvis the king of rock and roll? Some so-called white people? And if he got his swag from a brother, we gotta knock this brother out of public image. We gotta tear down his image publicly. How do we do that? Convict that nigga the man act. R. Kelly, the biggest songwriters of our time. Arguably, right? He's coined the, 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 the king of pop, the king of R&B, right? So to speak. King of pop is Michael Jackson, right? But R. Kelly wrote one of Michael Jackson's biggest hits. We'll get into that later. And it's all about the label wants his fucking catalog. That's why they're telling you stop playing the music. And they're telling you to stop playing the music right in the time frame that he's set to get his rights reverted back to him. To where the label has to give him the rights to his music. He don't have to buy it. 
it reverts back to you after 35 years. But you got to file a paperwork during year 33. And guess what? R. Kelly is coming upon his year 33 while he's sitting in federal prison on trumped up charges. You don't see the connection? Let's continue. So Chuck Berry for transporting across state lines an underage Apache girl who was weeks later arrested on prostitution charges. So the same woman that they arrested him with, after they arrested him, she got arrested for selling pussy on her own volition. She was already selling pussy. He just happened to meet a girl, had a good time with her, and her own side job was she was selling pussy. But she got in bed with an entertainer because she wanted to change her life. She wanted to change her financial situation. But the brother didn't force her to do anything. But as I said, Chuck Berry was one of the leading guys in rock and roll at the time. So in order to usher in these so-called white rock and roll artists and make them legends, you got to tear down the niggas that started it. You got to tear down the pioneers. And the pioneers of all musical genres are melanated people. But you, you, you can count on your hand how many billionaires you got in music. And if you want to believe that Jay-Z's a billionaire, kudos to you. Because the minute that brother want to stand beside any revolution, they'll hit the lead on his account too. That's why he don't speak of nothing of any significance. This whole pandemic, you ain't get a song from Jay-Z, you ain't get a bar from this nigga, talk about revolution, talk about anything. God did. He just talking about all the money he got. Right. But the minute you talk about something that's real, they're going to ostracize you. But as Nina Simone says, you're not an artist if you don't reflect the times. Look at all the artists that's brilliant. And I don't take nothing away from them. Talented. Jay-Z's fucking talented. But in the time of this pandemic and all this, did he give you one bar about this system? Yo, this is set up. They setting our people up. Keep your head up. Anything. He just kept talking about all the fucking money he got. Right. To distract you from what's really going on. Look at the ones that they prop up to call our greats, our goats. Look at Nas' album. Nas put out some phenomenal projects. Salute to the brother. And I still love Nas and Jay-Z, so this ain't that. But I'm saying these people that we think are so prominent, they don't have that top position that we believe. They don't have that influence to really move the culture like we think. They're being controlled. And also, they're being set up to where they won't own their masters either. See, they think that the more I be in bed with these so-called white people, the more money I make for them, they'll eventually let me ride off with my catalog. Yeah, all right. Nigga, Mike, nobody had the, the, the uh, celebrity like Michael Jackson. You, you, you had people in foreign countries falling the fuck out. Thousands of people fainting at the concert just seeing this nigga. That's the power this brother had. You think he left with his catalog? He ended up owning the Beatles shit, owning some of Elvis shit. You think these labels didn't want that back? Come on, man. And they, and they sent, sold his estate, sold Prince's estate. Come on, man. How do you think all this happens? You have to tear down the image person and then you can steal the legacy and the goddamn proceeds so the man act has never been repealed but it has been substantially amended in recent years in 1978 congress updated the definition of transportation in the act and added protection for minors of either sex against commercial commercial uh, sexual exploitation a 1986 amendment further protected minors and added protection for adult males and replaced debauchery and any other moral act with any sexual activity for which any person can be charged with a criminal offense. See, they charged R. Kelly not for sleeping with underage women. 
These women were of age and they were his girlfriends living with him for several years. He traveled across state lines because he was going from state to state touring with his music. And these girls freely went with him. They were living with him. Do you understand what's really going on? And the story they put out didn't match the actual charges they convicted him of. So Jack Johnson, he was known as the Galveston Giant, a boxer who fought his way to the world's first heavyweight title held by an African-American in 1912. Jack Johnson became something else, a wanted man, accused of violating the Mann Act, which forbade transportation of a woman across state lines for immoral purposes. Man's relationship with white women got him in trouble with the law. Now, 72 years after his death, President Trump pardoned Johnson. Salute to Trump, B, because Trump was the only president to pardon Jack Johnson of a fraudulent fucking charge. Because the brother was a famous boxer that freely slept with white women, but he didn't force him to do anything. These were his girlfriends, and many of them became his wives. This brother was riding around in foreigns in 19-fucking-12. You don't think these poor whites, that their lifetime, they couldn't buy the car that that nigga was crashing. You know what I'm saying? And, and buying another one. You don't think they envied the power and the position that brother had and they wanted to knock him off his fucking square. So 72 years after his death, they pardoned. And this is how this country does. Country does. No, no apology issued to his family. 72 years after the brother was put into the ground. Oh, he's not guilty of the crime. We just was fucking with him. So they going to do that to R. Kelly? We're going to hear about this 30, 40 years later and he, he serves 10 years and then they wipe out his bank account and he's fighting appeals and after appeal and he comes out of jail and they say, oh, we let him go on the charges. Well, how do I know this is going to happen? Remember with Bill Cosby? They never convicted Bill Cosby of actually raping any women. All of them allegations were made up shit 30, 40 years ago. They never had any evidence of none of this shit. Remember, they convicted our um, um, Bill, Clinton, uh, Bill Cosby and then let him out of jail a few, a few years later. The prosecutor said, oh, we made a deal with him to let him out. How the fuck they let you out if they convicted you or something? But then look at the charges. Bill Cosby was never actually convicted of raping anyone. But publicly he was. See how this works? They kill you in reality. In the reality world, you die in real life. See how this works? They kill you on reality TV, you die in real life. So now, 72 years after his death, President Trump had pardoned Johnson. The pardon took place during the Oval Office ceremony, which Trump referred to Johnson as enduring what many view as a racially motivated injustice. See that? Trump, did, everybody's calling a racist. He was the only president to pardon Jack Johnson, and he said... He was convicted of the Mann Act, and that shit was racially motivated because he was a nigga with money in the 1913s. Obama administration had considered pardoning Johnson too, but declined to do so due to the allegations of physically abused women. See what's going on? Obama, fucking puppet. The president, eight years in the office that looks like Jack Johnson, wouldn't pardon another brother for charges that were fraudulent but the so-called racist president, Trump, saw it for what it was off the rip. Because Trump is a person with money, too. He said, man, that brother was targeted because that brother had money and he could sleep with any woman of choice. And that's when Trump said, grab him by the pussy. He was talking about women that want to be with powerful men. He wasn't talking about raping no bitches. You a billionaire. You ain't got to rape no fucking women. It's brothers out here that ain't even thousandaires and they can get any woman they want. So imagine if you got a billion dollars. 
let's be clear here what we're looking at. So Obama's corny ass, eight years in the office, wouldn't even touch that. We're going to pardon him. But he passed all these laws for the LGBT community. <laughs> but wouldn't pass a law. Come on, bro. Like, pardon, pardon a person that's dead 72 years now? They just saying clear the brother's name after death. You couldn't even honor that. But Trump did. And, and look at what they're doing to Trump now. You got almost 200 banks collapsing. You got almost 200 congresspeople that took kickbacks from the failing FTX cryptocurrency exchange. You're talking about millions of dollars in illegally uh, ill-begotten funds stolen from the people from a cryptocurrency exchange given to your congressman. And to hide that story, we're going to arrest Donald Trump tomorrow, Tuesday, March 21st, the first day of spring. All of this is symbolic. Dealing with Mars, the planet of, of war, of action. So to disguise or to hide the people's uh, attention away from the banks collapsing and they running off with your money and Congress allowing it to happen, they saying, we're going to arrest Trump. Meanwhile, Biden and his dad, I mean, Biden and his son, Hunter, right now, there's public records out of money being siphoned from the Ukraine shit given to Biden and his son. What am I talking about? They put out bills, 87 billion, 100 billion, all sent to Ukraine. Ukraine is paying the president and his son from that money. Is that not money laundering? But nobody's fucking talking about that. We're going to arrest Trump for what? Another fake case they made up? But it keeps the people focused on something else. Getting back to this. The pardon took place during the Oval Office, right? President Obama's administration had considered pardoning Johnson, but declined. Johnson wasn't the only person affected by the Mann Act, right? Also known as the White Slave Traffic Act of 1910, right? How did R. Kelly get, get, get convicted of a white slave trafficking act when he wasn't dealing with no white bitches? Make that make sense, B. They just, yo, they just made up some shit on this brother. So now let's get into the gist of why I'm getting into all this, right? Now, the situation with Jack Johnson. In 1912, prosecutors got their chance to enforce the Mann Act when Lucille Cameron's mother accused Johnson of kidnapping her daughter and transporting her across state lines. Though Johnson was in a consensual relationship with Karen, same thing with R. Kelly, consensual relationships, and would soon marry her, prosecutors used the accusation as a pretext, as Chicago police arrested him for kidnapping. Isn't it crazy? R. Kelly was the champion of the R&B world in Chicago. He's from Chicago. And the first person tried with the Man Act was the first world champion from Chicago, Jack Johnson. This is no coincidence, B. Federal prosecutors assembled a grand jury to investigate his relationship with white women. Now, if you look at the picture, her mama and her look crazy. They look like some poor trailer park trash chicks. He ain't got to force nobody to do nothing, B. Remember, he's riding around in motherfucking foreigns. He's riding around in German cars in the 1913s. He riding around in the foreigns of today. There was just one problem. Cameron, who was in love with Johnson, refused to say anything that incriminated him. Then prosecutors found out Cameron has been a prostitute, which undermined her credibility as a witness. They dropped the case temporarily, but not before the public court wind of it. See? Jack Johnson was convicted of something, and the person that they said that he uh, you know, committed the crimes upon 
she wouldn't testify against the nigga. I love him. We're together. What, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Y'all only doing this because we're black and white dating. Sounds familiar? The girl that they use as the state star witness before she hold, heard uh, R. Kelly's phone calls from jail and his phone calls with his lawyer illegally. Before all that happened, she publicly said, I never had sex with him underage. I was of age when we started to date. But later, when she listened to the phone calls about him not leaving his side girl for her, woman, woman became scorned. And she said, well, fuck it. I'm siding with those people. And she becomes the state's witness. Make that make sense. Man, this is crazy. So, remember, R. Kelly was charged and convicted with the Man Act. We just went over that. That's all bullshit. He was charged with the RICO law. The same shit they charged the mob with. How was he running a criminal organization when he was dating two women in a poly relationship and he was an entertainer that happened to get paid for performing his songs live on stage? How is that a criminal organization? The charges don't make sense. He wasn't convicted for sleeping with underage women. See, most of our people don't even know what he was convicted for. All we do is gossip. Yo, they gave the brother 30 years. For what? For the RICO charge? What, what gang was he in? What, what, what drugs did he put on the street? How the fuck does he get charged with the same criminal organization uh, case that they put on the mafia? Make that make sense. He wasn't guilty for tax evasion. Make that make sense. The same law they charged YSL with, the same charge they charged Young Thug with, the RICO Act, they charged R. Kelly with. Make that make sense. Hmm. Young Thug. Brother got multiple Grammys. Salute to the brother. Talented. Whole crew. Him and Gunner. All them talented. Remember, they were the top songwriters of the year when they got arrested. And the prosecutor that first came in during 2020, remember, she made a name for herself. We're going to attack these gang organizations. You don't think these corporations put the, put the battery in her back? Remember, she's a sister that just got that top position as the prosecutor. You don't think she's going to make a name for herself? For these odds going to be good for these white folks. And the first people I'm going to target is my own people. They're trying to convict Young Thug from using his rap lyrics. When... Johnny Cash said, I shot a man in Reno. Did they lock up Johnny Cash for saying he shot a man in Reno? Or was that shit just entertainment? Right. See, when it comes to so-called black entertainers, everything we say verbatim is what it is. Well, then why does the label make millions of dollars and billions of dollars off of gangster music? If you really believe this nigga's shooting everybody in his song, call the police. Why do you put out the song and make it go number one on the charts? Shouldn't you drop a dime on this nigga? I, oh my God, I think I need to call the prosecutor. This guy's testifying on this new single. I need to tell somebody. Why do they make all the money off the, off the record and then say the music's dangerous later? After they done sent their kids to college. Get the fuck out of here. This shit is being, this is used to being, to target our people, to target our entertainers, to separate them from their catalog. And as I said, R. Kelly is coming upon his 33 year, which this is the time he should be filing his paperwork to get all of his song rights reverted back to him. We're talking about he wrote songs for Joe. He wrote songs for Aaliyah, songs for uh, Escape, songs for Ronald Isley. He wrote songs for Michael Jackson. In fact, the biggest hit he wrote for Michael Jackson, You Are Not Alone. Let's go into this because it's, remember, this song itself 
is worth the value of many people's catalogs. One fucking song. Let alone all the other shit that he recorded. See, that's the part they're not telling you. Oh, man, his, his, his catalog ain't worth shit. Yeah, okay. You keep thinking that. You Are Not Alone, right? You Are Not Alone was written by American singer R. Kelly for Jackson in response to difficult times in his own personal life. R. Kelly sent a demo tape to Jackson, which who liked the song and decided to produce it with him in his Chicago studio. Jackson's interest in the song was also linked to an event in his personal life. You Are Not Alone received generally positive reviews and was, and was the recipient of a Grammy and American Music Award nominations. It holds the Guinness World Record. Listen to this. You Are Not Alone, Michael Jackson's 13th and final number one Billboard hit, is listed in the Guinness World Records as the first song to debut at number one on the Billboard Hot 100s, certified platinum. It also topped the charts in Australia, Belgium, France, Ireland, New Zealand, Poland, Romania, Scotland, uh, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. Did you hear what I just said? You Are Not Alone, one of Michael Jackson's biggest hit records is in the Guinness Book World Records as the first song to go number one on the billboard in this entire country. And it was written and produced by R. Kelly. You don't think they won his catalog? Don't listen to the propaganda. Oh, his catalog ain't worth shit. They stopped playing his music. They stopped playing his music so the story could die down so they could steal his fucking catalog that includes that song. Now, this is not to mention all the other hits that R. Kelly wrote. But this is one he wrote for Michael Jackson. He didn't just write the song. He wrote it and produced it. Anybody knows anything about royalties? We're talking about money for generations off one song. You Are Not Alone was Jackson's 13th and final number one U.S. single during his lifetime. After his death in June uh, 2009, Kelly paid tribute by including a version of the song performed by himself on his album. Now... The, the impact of Michael Jackson, regardless of you, you want to believe, oh my God, he touched kids and all this, man, I, I still to date don't believe none of that shit. And I believe that his music touched millions around the world. Now, at the time that Michael Jackson passed, I was in college for, uh, to study to become a recording engineer, right? I, I got my degree from the Institute of Audio Research, one of the oldest uh, music schools in New York City, right? And... Michael Jackson, when he died, I was in class. One of my teachers, see the, the cool thing about the music school I went to, all of the teachers, they were in the music in industry, right? It wasn't just textbook uh, you know, teachers. They actually were in the music industry, got royalty statements and all kinds of shit. You know, we would talk about that in class. And one of my music teachers, uh, Steve, man, Steve Geiger, man, salute, bro. We were going over uh one of the Beatles records, right? And the cool thing about the class, we had the stems from uh the Beatles record, the Sar Sgt. Pepper record, right? And we were listening to the, the acapellas, man. That shit was phenomenal. And we just listening to the stems. And right while we're in class, they announced that Michael Jackson died. My teacher, he's like, man, we got to stop the lesson. And Michael Jackson's passing, right? That's why I don't believe in racism and all this. I believe that this shit is taught. It's taught to people and forced upon them to change their ideas. But music breaks down those barriers. My teacher, who's a so-called white guy, he burst out in fucking tears. He's like, man, we can't even finish the class. He's like, man, we just need to take a moment for Michael Jackson, guys. He start crying his fucking eyes out like a little kid. Michael Jackson just died. 
and he works in the music industry, but he knows that that brother didn't just up and die. He know they killed him. He know they killed him for his catalog. And my teacher's bawling his fucking eyes out, man. And he's just like, man, Mike was such a phenomenal artist. And then we just start playing a lot of Michael Jackson's music. Now, are they going to stop playing Michael Jackson's music after all the allegations and all that? Nope. He was too big of a fucking artist. And the same thing with R. Kelly. Too big of an artist. But he wrote the 13th and final number one hit for Michael Jackson that later becomes a Guinness World Record for being the first song to debut at number one on the billboards of all time. That's the power behind R. Kelly. And later, here's how these, these so-called white people do. See, in the United States, the only thing the United States created was the fucking patent office for when they stole a lot of our people's in inventions. You know how the Black History Month, they talk about all the so-called so black people that invented this, invented that? We invented a lot of shit in this country and we'll never get the credit for it. And a lot of our inventions are in other people's names. But here's the thing. R. Kelly writes this song, You Are Not Alone. Platinum. Multiple, multiple, multiple times over. Right? Biggest song of, of, of Michael Jackson's career. And the only song that trumps it is Thriller. Out of all Michael Jackson's hits, Thriller and You Are Not Alone are his biggest songs. And one of them were written and produced by R. Kelly. You don't think the label wants that fucking catalog? Michael Jackson himself called Tommy Mottola the devil. Remember, Sony Music. And they were fighting for the rights to steal his catalog because he owned the Beatles music. He owned Elvis's music. And I myself personally got a chance to meet Tommy Mottola. Weird energy, that's all I'll say. And he just kept saying, man, you got some good energy, brother. Yeah, okay. But I say that to say this. This is how the white people do. All the accolades have come to our people, and then they want to steal the credit. So someone tried to sue R. Kelly for the rights of the song, You Were Not Alone. That nigga couldn't have wrote, he couldn't have been that brilliant to write that. In 1993, Edward and Daniel Van Pessel wrote the score to a song titled, If We Can Start All Over. It was registered with the Belgium Society of Authors, composers and publishers of that year. The score was never commercially released. How the fuck does R. Kelly get, can, uh, excuse me, accused of stealing someone else's song idea when these people never actually released the song. That shit was sheet music. Stay up. There's just some, some white people trying to make a fake claim, trying to get it back. The score was never commercially released and can only be found as sheet music, which does not contain information about the timbre, rhythm, or harmony. So the production sounded nothing like these niggas' sheet music. The lyrics sounded nothing like the sheet music. All this shit came from R. Kelly. So how the fuck did he steal from them? These people were trying to get a payday. When You Are Not Alone became a worldwide success, the Van Passel brothers uh, uh, approached S.A.B.A.M. saying it was similar to their song. The internal committee noted similarities between the melodies and recommended pursuing a lawsuit against Kelly and Zamba uh, record holdings, Holland B.V. The brothers applied to the... Uh, applied to the court of Levin for an injunction on October 18, 1995. The Belgium court rejected the claim of plagiarism on January 20, 2003, finding that 43.46 similarity percent similarities between the two melodies was a coincidence. See? The Van Basel brothers uh, submitted an appeal. On September 4th, the Court of Appeal in Brussels reversed the 2003 ruling based on the fact that Kelly's earliest evidence of the writing, You Are Not Alone, was August 1995. 
21 months after the brothers had registered their score if we can start all over. The court concluded that it was possible that Kelly was accessed, had accessed the score and developed it into You Are Not Alone. Kelly maintains that he never met or heard of the Van Passel brothers. The court also stated that the Van Passel brothers did not create their work merely in order to register it with the Sam, with the Sam Bam and put it in a drawer but at least inform third parties of the existence of the composition. Belgium maintains a ban on all radio and television broadcasts of the song You Are Not Alone. The whole fucking country banned the playing of the song You Are Not Alone. Vendors found with copies faced a $1,000 fine for each copy of the song. These brothers that try to say R. Kelly ripped off their idea they never publicly released the song. They put the sheet music in a fucking drawer. So if y'all said, yo, this was going to be a hit, why did y'all never put it out? Until a brother put it out, then y'all said, oh my God, he stole some ideas from us. But even still to this day, their claims are unfounded. You see how they try to tear down our image? They don't believe that we're great, even when we rise to greatness. This is their, this is their mindset. This is what, where racism gets its root from. This is where so-called white supremacy gets its basis because there's nothing supreme about their so-called whiteness. In fact, it's white inferiority. They can't compete when we on the court. Big fucking facts. So, aside from all these other hits that R. Kelly wrote, this is what they want, his catalog. Now, R. Kelly's catalog includes that Michael Jackson song and countless other records that he written and produced. Now, anybody that knows anything about music, if you write the song, that's a percentage. You produce the song, that's another percentage. So he owns the bulk of these songs, even the songs that he wrote and co-wrote with other artists. He ends up doing the production of the song, so he gets a larger percentage. This brother's catalog might be worth a billion dollars, if not more. That's what they want. This what they want. And this year is his 33rd year. The year he's supposed to file to get the rights reverted back to him. They tore down his legacy. What happened with Prince? Right after he got his rights back to him, mysteriously he dies. The brother healthy as a motherfucker. Vegetarian, all kind of shit. Brother's dead. Whitney Houston, psh, she kicks drugs, gets off of drugs. Ends up dead in a, in a, bath, in a hotel bathroom with Ray J with drugs in her system. Said she was drowned in a bathtub. See what's going on? A lot of this shit is weird. She was found by Brandy, Ray J's sister. Make, make this make sense. I'm not alleging that they did something, but I'm saying, why is all these great entertainers end up dead and they always throw some drugs or a scandal on them, but, but their music is left untouched and you always hear about somebody fighting over the estate, fighting over the rights to the music. And a lot of times that shit reverts back to the label because here's the trick the 35 year rule works like this in the music industry the artist gets the rights reverted back to them after 35 years but you have to file the paperwork on year 33 and if you don't file the paperwork on year 33 and you try to oh I'm gonna get my rights back in 35 years the 35th year came and they say well you didn't file the paperwork two years ago this music goes back to the label for another 35 years See what's going on? Most of the artists will be dead by then. And that's what they do. They'll create a scandal right around the time your rights will be re to be re reverted back to you. Which means 
right when you getting out from under their fraudulent contract, kind of like their indentured servitude, slavery contract, right when the times your rights are being restored to you, they create a scandal. They create a reason for your rights not to go back to you. This is serious, man. My prayers go out to the brother R. Kelly and, and anyone else dealing with a situation similar to that. So I'm just telling our people to take another look at the brother's case, man. All this stuff is public record. You can look at the search warrant. All of that stuff is public record. But I want the family, I encourage you, to write the Bureau of Prisons, right? I want you guys to write the Bureau of Prisons and let them know that you heard about this case, you heard about the, the, the realness of this case, and you understand that the brother didn't get his fair shot. I want you guys to write the Department of Justice, U.S. Department of Justice, 950 Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest, Washington, D.C., 205 Write the Department of Justice family on R. Kelly's behalf, man. Let's not let this happen to this brother because if the brother, you know, did what they said he did, then all rights to his conviction. But if they trumped up some charges to convict this brother to steal his catalog, we need to know about this. We need to find out that these women were paid off to slander the brother because the woman was just scorned. He was dating two women. One didn't want to be the side chick. She wanted to be the main chick. And he just left her the side chick. And then she became state's witness. This can happen to any brother with a bag. It can happen to you. Until next time, this is the Third Eye High Podcast. I am your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way, to help you find your light switch, and keep your light lit. And at the Third Eye High Podcast, we deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I give thanks for everyone tuning in to the podcast. I give thanks to anyone that wants to support the podcast. We got no outside funding. It's all solely by myself. If you want to support the podcast, send your donations to dollar sign, cash app, dollar sign, far outflow, F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W. My cash app, dollar sign, far outflow, F-A-R-O-U-T-F-L-O-W. If you want to send a donation to help out the podcast. And until next time, peace. Love and light. Let's send our prayers to the brother R. Kelly. And I pray that the brother is free. Because this is some bullshit. He was charged with the Man Act. We already know what that is, some bullshit. And the Rico Act.